Listener Production. Created for expectant parents, new mums, new grandparents, or women thinking about becoming pregnant. This series guides you through the highs and lows of pregnancy, giving birth, and the complexities of parenting. Welcome to Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin. Midwife Kath. Hello, Brooke. We're talking today about women's health. Yeah, we've, um, we've got the wonderful Dr. Sue Hiscock back again. We thought we'd talk about women's health because we have a baby and um, a lot of women talk about, you know, they have the baby and they not forget about themselves, but they get so consumed about baby sleep, baby sleep, exercise, baby sleep, and um, they forget about a few little checkups like themselves. themselves. Yeah, that's right. Do you see that a lot? <laughs> yes. Um, I see people at the six-week check and they're sleep-deprived and they're exhausted and they haven't eaten properly and, yeah, it's not very nice. Yeah, and that's the husband. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the husband's not very nice. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the husband's gone back to work. <laughs> that's right. So it's really important that because you have a, ch- a good check at the six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, at the what? And, sorry, six week. did I say six the week six check. weeks? <laughs> no, it's six weeks. Six. Oh, it's my New Zealand the sex, background. The sorry. sex is not happening. There's, no, the sex mm-hmm. or the no sex. Very at common. the six weeks check, there's not much after that, is there, for, for women. They tend to forget or... Baby comes yes. first. Yes, yes. yeah. That's, I think it's in you. It's innate. You tend to look after everyone else and not yourself. Mm. So that's really, really common. And I think it doesn't really kick on again until women become forty. If you've had a baby in your thirties, I think forty is the time when you tend to look after yourself a bit more because I think period starts to go downhill. When Dodgy. You, yeah, everything mm. goes a bit downhill when you're 40. <laughs> Sorry, girls. Brooke. I wouldn't and know. Get a bit of bra. <laughs> That's right. So today we're talking about women's health and about emphasising about a focus on the mother, focus on yourself, look yeah. after yourself. So yeah. that's what this is about. That's yeah. right. What are the areas that we need to cover? Like what are the most important areas? I think the, the work-life sleep baby balance is is often off off key and so people are not looking after themselves not eating properly they're they're not sleeping properly they're not you know they they tend to put themselves last they forget about contraception because apparently it won't happen mm. um what do you mean well <laughs> if they have sex once it's actually it, it, but you can get you pregnant can. having sex mm. but one, if you really tired is that an enlightenment for anyone <laughs> It is for a lot of women, uh, and when you say and and people have this myth that if you if you're breastfeeding you can't get pregnant, and the number of outraged women that come and see me and and I've got pregnant and I'm still I'm breastfeeding, you know I should be fine. So why where did that come from, Sue? So why do Nonna? we think that Nonna wants oh. more grandchildren? The, oh. <laughs> Oh, bloody nonna. We've been yeah. stitched up. Is that so? It's yep. not, I thought it was a change in your hormones. That's what I was always told. But it's and also religious too, isn't it? So that you can't have contraception because it's naughty. But but the religious teaching is that, that breastfeeding covers. Yeah, breastfeeding will there. stop you, will delay your return to fertility, yep. but it doesn't stop it. No. Um, it will happen and you'll ovulate before you have your first period. Bingo. Um, and by yeah. God, if I had that conversation many times, hello, Bridie and Emily, I know you've just fallen off your couches when you've heard me say that. I've nearly taken whiteboards out for dinner to draw yes. ovulation to explain you ovulate before you get you a, have period. a period. So if you have sex when you haven't had a period, you have your period. It's 
you can get you, pregnant. You, you get pregnant. And it only takes one sperm. Thanks for the 101 there, ladies. Yep. Sorry, right, girls. <laughs> so okay. the, only, the only way breastfeeding will stop you getting pregnant is if you're also sleeping in the other bedroom. <laughs> With a condom on your head. That's right. <laughs> Okay, all right. Lesson, Sorry, Brooke. The lesson, okay. written that so, down, pass that. Mm-hmm. Th- so also there's so much pressure on women to be skinny. Yes. Which is the eating bit. To, to be looking great and to to be working, to have children. To be superwoman. To be superwoman. And really, I see a lot of girls who are just so tired trying to do absolutely everything. Yeah, because and we have this so myth. Tight. I mean, it takes a village to bring up a child. And 100 years ago, your next-door neighbour would have fed the baby if you couldn't breastfeed um, and you'd, you'd bake the bread. And so we're not doing that. We don't have the village anymore. They won't answer this. their doors. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably because they know what they're going to be asked for. Um, Look, I know. I, I give some of the girls a hug when I see them and I think, holy hell, there's nothing of you. Yeah. You know, they're so skinny. You know, and no one's ever said that to me, Sue. <laughs> no, they haven't to me either, I but know. that's okay. But God, it's, you know, like it's really, it really is an issue. And it's it's really important to function and function for your family and function for your kids. And it's important for your mental health too. To eat properly and sleep to properly. Eat par- yeah. And, and that's, I think that's a, it's a huge thing about, you know, breastfeeding and, and you are the only one that can feed your baby and you are a star if you exclusively breastfeed and if you don't exclusively breastfeed your are somehow a failure and there I see a lot of women who are really distressed because they're trying to do that and they can't no you know they either don't make enough milk or um there's a, there's a physical issue either the baby's got the you know a palate that's too high or yeah. doesn't quite figure this out and in some cases the only way the baby can fe- be fed is by bottle whether yeah. it's expressed breast milk or, or bottle um and there's this thing that apparently it's wrong if you don't if you don't exclusively breastfeed. So I mean, we cover that, Kath, on, on an mm. episode about, it's called brottle feeding, you know, breast and bottle, a combination of both yep. extensively. But so what you're saying is that after new mothers are coming in and they're exhausted, they might be a little bit malnourished or they're not eating yes. properly, they're not looking at... And they're not drinking properly and not, not drinking enough water. And it's water, not champagne. Okay. <laughs> but, also, but also just breastfeeding, I know even when you eat well and breastfeeding, it is it puts an enormous strain on your body yes. and you're trying to be everything to everyone. Then you go to work and it's pretty tough. So, so onto women's health, so um, how often should women have a um, pap test, pap smear? Okay, smear? the new system called um, the cervical screening test, um, it came in from the 1st of December. It's a, a slight difference as far as what they're looking for with a pap test. Yeah. So if you go to have your routine pap smear, for all intents and purposes, you feel like you're having your normal pap test. But what in fact they're doing is they're looking for the HPV bug that can cause the abnormalities years down the track. So if you have a negative pap test or CST, then you don't need a pap smear for five years. Oh, right. Which is fantastic. Yeah. So who gets access to those? Everyone. So now it's just a cervical screening test? Cervical screening test instead of the pap test. Great. Um, so So as far as the patient is concerned, it feels exactly the same way as a normal pap smear, but we ask the PAPATH lab to look for something different, which is the infection that can cause the abnormal smears in the future. That's that's incredible. And this is an Australian discovery. We're mm. pretty hot. We're so so and the, the young people are now having immunisation against this. Yes, yeah, the Gardasil, again an Australian invention. Again, yeah, it's amazing. Can I ask a question? I know this is talked about all the time, but... Why are women so regnant or reluctant to go and have a pap smear? 
I mean, we're asking mothers to look after themselves, but is it the case that some of them just... Well, well because people talk. Yeah, and women talk. It's, and if you're told that you have to have a pap test, it's going to be really bad. Yeah. You're not going to want to do it. Well, women say it's going. you're going to have a cold steel object put into your vagina, it doesn't sound great. And it's invasive. Yeah. You and know? so so when you go and have it done, a lot of doctors say, just relax and just <laughs> pretend you're in, your be- in the bedroom. Relax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You try doing that <laughs> and relax. It's not like being in the bedroom with your partner, let no, me tell you. No, no, Gosh, not at all. And when that's you've got a, really a cold weird. clack thing, duck bill um, going in your dizzy. And the other thing too is if you get a bit anxious about it, um, you tend to tense up and if you tense up, it actually becomes quite uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. So you have to pretend that's to be relaxed. Yeah, th- th- but that's right. Just relax. I am relaxed. Yeah, I'm no, I never. And right. then your vagina... Clenches Clen- up. Yeah, yeah see, mm. pelvic floors gets gets a workout, but in the wrong way. Um, so I never tell <laughs> people to relax because they can't. Yeah. It's it's invasive and uncomfortable. But it's a takes about ten seconds if if you if do you're doing if, it if right, you Sue. figure Well, I do it right. That's what I mean. Because um, you do it right. Yeah. If yeah. it takes you you more careful about what you do. You get the right instrument for the right person, you banter with people so that they're a little bit less stressed mm. um, and you explain what you're doing and it literally takes 10 seconds. I wish mm. you um, could talk to all the people out there giving pap smears. Maybe you could educate them about doing it right or well, correctly. Well, a few a few GPs actually won't do pap smears now and, yeah. I, and I think it's because they're worried about, you know, being seen as as some kind of predator. Oh, that's... Mm. Uh, I know it's ridiculous, ridiculous, but there are people that are f- anxious about how it's seen mm-hmm. um, and so they either get nurses to do it uh, or they refer people. I have, I have people who come to see me just to do a pap smear, mm. probably because I only take 10 seconds. Yeah, that's <laughs> oh, right. That's amazing. The 10-second yeah. Sue. So so when is when when do you need to go for your first pap smear? You've just um, had a baby. Is it like... Okay, for, so basically you should have at least talk to the person you see for your six-week checkup. talk to about when was your last pap test. If it's close to a new one, I would have one because if you're checking your stitches, you're going to check your stitches anyway. So you, so while you're there, you might as well, you know, do a quick pap smear um, and then you're done for five years. Fantastic. That's right. Over. So it's important just to, to have a general check of the vulva too, yes. isn't it, Sue? Yes, because sometimes you can get um, little granulation tags on the, on the grazers if they've been grazers. Um, mm. You can get that. That can so be really checking. sore, Really uncomfortable they? and they can even bleed. Yeah. What are you spotting? talking about? <laughs> <laughs> um, Your vulva. Can, I don't, I don't know it? if you've worked this out, but babies have heads <laughs> and the heads are you know, a, a reasonable size and they have to... <laughs> Be delivered down, well, not necessarily have to be, but they, they can, can come, out. come out through the birth canal, which right. will stretch um, and can sometimes tear and sometimes graze. And so you need to check the stitches are healed properly. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can get little like granulation tags, which is like an overgrowth of healing. Yeah. Um, that needs like a to scar. Be, like a, no, well, it's, it's kind like of a like proud a skin flip. tag. Yeah. Well, like and, and, and sometimes the, 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 the skin doesn't grow evenly together, does it? Yeah. And, and, and a bit of the nerve of the skin is is sore, very sore. Mm. And it can be a tiny, tiny little piece of skin and it can cause more pain than any and, episiotomy. And spotting, yes. So yeah. we need to check that it's all fine. Right, okay. Good explanation. Yep. And we talk about when, they, when they're ever going to have sex again, which for most women is like, who cares? <laughs> They'd rather be, if sleep or sex, I'll sleep. sleep. <laughs> yeah. How long does that attitude last for? Um, 
first of all, while you if you're breastfeeding, then the vaginal secretions are quite low, mm. so that v- your vaginal area can be quite dry. So for, there are a few women that physically can't have sex because it it just too is too uncomfortable, um, and if many women need lubricant um, for a while. Um, if they're breastfeeding for months, it, the lubrication gradually improves, but generally, uh, usually not until after you've weaned or. Um, when you start getting Plus periods they don't again. really feel like they want to have sex, do they? No, yeah, and, and no... I think it's a survival technique yeah. actually because I think in the primitive ages, if you had two children under 12 months, you couldn't look after them both. So for survival of the species, I think it's a natural process for women not to be interested in sex until, you know, the babies meet you know, six or eight months old anyway because the baby's got to grow and they've got to look after it. And you hear the collective scream of men all around the world. (laughs) (laughs) I think I read a study that said the average time that people um, start having sex again after having babies is like eight months. Eight months? Mm. Really? Mm. Jeez, that's a long time. No, not for some women. Most of them, when I tell women that, most of them are relieved. I'm surprised. Okay, that's good. Moving okay, on. eight months, girls. Um, then the next thing we need to do is actually check the breasts. Mm-hmm. So we, we talk about mammograms and everyone's aware of mammograms and um, especially when, and, and I think checking the breasts for lumps. Yes. We're very aware of checking them while we're not pregnant. When we're breastfeeding, we're aware of checking breasts. Yes, every day, lumps. yep. And they I think get a little bit obsessed with checking for lumps and nearly hurt their breasts because they ch- <laughs> yes. check too much. I've, I've seen, like, I've seen one woman who lacerated, the, grazed the skin because they were checking so much. I've seen women have get an abscess from mm. just touching, touching, touching. Leave them alone. Leave mm. the girls alone. They're actually fine. I reckon once a day under the shower. Yeah, they're fine. And so mammograms, Sue, how often would you um, suggest women to have a mammogram? Generally the, the screening starts after 50 and you should do it every two years. Um, before 50, if you've got a strong family history of uh, breast cancer, uh, generally it's about 10 years before the closest person to you was diagnosed. So if someone was diagnosed at 52, I'd start at 42. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's imp- almost impossible to do a proper mammogram with dense breasts. So mm. women in their reproductive years have lots of fatty tissue in their uh, breasts and so mammograms aren't can sometimes be a less accurate than postmenopausal, um, so that's when an ultrasound can can happen as well. So if you did a mammogram and an ultrasound, the two together are really good checks. Um, if you check your breasts once a month, either at the end of your period or the first day of the month, whichever um, system you want to get into, yeah. uh, and if you've got re- breast cysts and some women can it, you need to have an ultrasound every year. Um, other than that, I'd say you know check your breasts once a month and start mammograms at fifty. Mm. Also, uh, I was talking to uh, Brooke um, earlier this morning about any discharge coming out of the nipple, which um, she was that a bit was surprised well, about. Well, I was like, what do you mean discharge coming well, out of your nipple? while you're breastfeeding, you can get sometimes little abscessy things, mm. and so it'd be a bit, bit bloody. I've seen women who are pregnant um, with mastitis. Mm. Uh, the earliest, I think, was a six-week. I've got a, I've got currently a lady who's six weeks pregnant who has was still breastfeeding her previous baby. Missed the, missed the contraceptive talk um, oh, and um, oh. and got mastitis as she decided to stop breastfeeding oh, instantaneously. Dear. Oh, dear. Uh, so it's it's possible. But but even without um, lactating and, and pregnant, yes, a discharge, get, discharge um, needs to be checked. Needs to be checked, yeah. Yep. That can be quite... 
and they, it can just be a can just be a cyst. Mm. So you need like an ultrasound uh, to see if there's any what the any reason issue. is for yeah. the discharge. Yeah. Okay, so the other thing is the bone density yes. for, for women. When when would you suggest that women have a bone density? Well, I think it depends on the family history. Like um, if your mother had osteoporosis, I'd be um, certainly at 50 doing a bone density. And if, if you uh, – and before then I'd be thinking about, you know, vitamin D, calcium, weight-bearing exercise so that you don't end up looking like your mum mm. um, and uh, starting one at 50. Mm. And then if it's normal, then f- every five years. Mm. I was just thinking how fabulous Mary looks, actually. I don't mind. <laughs> no, we all end up thinking uh, like our mother. When your, mum, when your mum starts looking at the floor or constantly, <laughs> then you know you've got a problem. Well, can you explain to me what bone density actually refers to? Um, I mean, are, those those stereotypes of the little ladies who are so well, crouched, crouched over. over. That's osteoporosis. Yeah. What can happen is that the... Um, the, if you don't have good bone density when you start to go through menopause, as you start to go through menopause, the oestrogen drops and as your oestrogen drops, you, the bone density seems to thin. So your bones gradually thin out over time. Mm. And so you can get sort of... Um, Weak bones. You, you can get yeah, like you. collapsed, yeah, collapsed bones um, so that the vertebrae in your spine can can get narrower and, and narrower yeah. uh, and you can fall, a simple fall and you can break something very easily. Uh, a lot of the fractured hips, you know, when you get older, people falling over and breaking their hips, it's from osteoporosis. Does, does having children increase your, I don't know. Your no, it increases a- your ageing. Yes, your ageing. <laughs> um, but, but as far as the oestrogen is good for bone strength, Mm. Um, and uh, so that the uh, the later you have menopause, generally you're less likely to have osteoporosis. Um, being on uh, HRT, hormone Horm- replacement therapy, mm. increases your bone density. Mm. Uh, genetics, you know, pick your, pick your parents wisely. Mm. Genetics <laughs> are everything. They are. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So we, we've talked about the, you know, the pap smears and the breast checks and, you know, the bone density. W- what about the other things, the other parts of taking care of yourself that you and Kath, you know, talk about in terms of if, if you're sleep deprived and you, like, how do you manage those things where you can't get tests for, you can't go to a doctor for? Look, the, the sleep deprivation is, it becomes an emotional issue, I think, because a lot of women will not get their babies to sleep. Mm. They, they actually, it, it becomes a vicious cycle. They get used to the baby coming into bed or they used to, they get used to going and giving the baby a drink or getting up to them five or six times a night. I'm talking about Older long-term baby, sleep, yeah. depri- sleep deprivation. If we if you've got 12 month, 18 month old kids that you're up to yes. five, six, seven times a night, it's not necessary. Oh, you're right. Because you know the I mean? children yeah. are trained not to sleep yeah. and you can see that if they make a noise then mummy will come in yeah. and so they get a bit bored yeah. um, and so mummy will come in and keep them entertained. Uh, and that I see that a, a lot. And there's a lot of fear behind it with, with parents. It, the, and I understand it. It's hard, it's hard to actually make a decision to do it, to actually to to put your child to sleep, well, to do bad bad term of phrase to actually um, to actually make a decision to do some work with the child. Mm. It, it's hard because you're tired. It yeah, is. Hard. It's sometimes when you're actually tired, it's easy to just it is easier. put the baby in the bed with you because then it goes to sleep. But then you don't get to sleep because you don't. The baby's you know takes up too much of the bed and and then it doesn't help your relationship with your partner because often they go and sleep in another bed yep. and you're in bed with with 
um, one or well, two kids. It's a great contraception. Very good. <laughs> Don't worry about eight months, 18 months. <laughs> you won't have sex. But it, it is hard because you you want the best for your children and you yeah, want to look after them. And the hardest thing is tough love. Um, and to know that the, that this child is not going to sleep in your bed for the rest of its life and at some point you have to teach the child that this is its bed and it goes to bed and it stays to in, in bed and it will not come up during the night. And that's that, that is that's I know. the hard thing. Look, I know I, when I consult people, I say, what do you want? Do you, are you happy with the baby in bed with you? Because if you are, that's fine. I've, I had my son in bed with me. It was fine. It didn't actually bother me. It, it's actually, it's what the parent wants. If you're happy to sleep with a kid, it's, it's fine. If you want the child out of bed and in their own bed, you've actually got to work through it. There are ways of doing it. And we will cover that in a whole series. Yeah, there's a whole, epi- whole, there's a whole story that. behind sleep. There yeah. is, there's, and yeah, there's a lot. So, 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 okay, so if you're a, a, a woman who's done your pap smear, done your breast check, checked your bone density, you have a little bit sleep deprived, know that, that there are options that you can. Mm-hmm. What about food? We, we broached very briefly at the beginning about I suppose the idea that you have to be skinny and in your lycra and, you know, pushing the pram and the baby's this. And Don't forget the lipstick. The lipstick, right, fantastic, and the, and, the, and the bottle of water or whatever, but also about food and nutrition. Is this something that needs to be addressed by women or...? Most, I don't think actually women generally know a lot about nutrition. I think when, when I was at school, um, we, we actually had lessons on nutrition and balanced food and... Domestic um, science. Domestic science, exactly. <laughs> food pyramid. A food pyramid, mm. all of that. Now, I don't know if they do that at school or not, but I think people walk away from that and, and pick quick and convenient over good balanced nutrition. The thing is preparing nutrition, yeah. nutritionally well-balanced food... Yeah takes time. Mm-hmm. And if your choice is I'll, I'll order menu log or, and then I'll go to bed early uh, or I'll go out to the supermarket or go to the market and buy a whole lot of fruit and vegetables and prepare a nutritious, well-balanced set of meals for a few days, you know what happens. Menu log gets a workout. Absolutely. That, I'd go option A. Sorry, the reality of getting to sleep would, would be my priority. Well, and that's the other thing, washing the dishes afterwards. So much easier. Menu just... log, throw out takeaway food versus four, four pans and a whole lot of plates and stuff. You know you know which one you'd pick. You're not providing many um, alternatives, Alternatives here, people. Well, <laughs> no, well, I, I think it's a, sometimes it's, it's a question of uh, planning ahead. So go to the market on Saturday morning, on, Saturday, on Sunday morning, uh, cook up four nutritious Casseroles or That's whatever, right, and th- and freeze three of them. That's right. That's and exactly what I And then you pull out things during the week. Um, yep. And so you you know they and if you free free something that re- retains all the nutrition and yep. goodness. Uh, and it, we sound like Nigella and I Nigella's know. sister. And we look like her we as do. well. We are the voluptuous. Um, the boob. I'm doing the boob thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and but that, and that also means you've only got one set of pants to cook to to wash. I should say. Well, I, when I had um, a young child and I worked full time and I was parenting my parents, they were both unwell. I made a casserole every Sunday for the week. My neighbours couldn't believe we had the same <laughs> the same dinner every night. Didn't matter. I had about 355,000 vegetables. And it um, was healthy. Uh, beautiful meat, casserole. I cooked it every Sunday, put it into different um, containers. And, and every night just a bit of rice or some potato. Or change it slightly. Yeah. And um, um, the other thing too is you great. can freeze half of them and then take out, yeah. take out from the freezer what you've cooked three weeks ago and then you've got 
you know, different meals, yeah. you know, spaghetti and add some noodles and... Yeah, that's right. And get My son's traumatised by the casserole dish, but that's all right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> PTSD <laughs> for that's the right. casserole dish. <laughs> but you've got to be smart and, and organised, when, especially when you're working, you've got little children. Yep. And if you want to take the, the brook way, don't be afraid to ask your friends and parents to cook oh, for no, you. I oh, think you lazy. I'm no, lazy. I, I say to people that when, when your friends come after they've had, you've had your baby, tell them they have to come with a casserole and a cake. <laughs> they are to make the coffee and go after 15 minutes. But the, I think that's reasonable after what we've been talking about that's over true. the series. I mean, that's what you did say. Yeah, As yeah. a good friend, just come and go. We did. Yep. To add to that list, bring food and... Bring bring a casserole, um, <laughs> bring a, a cake, do so a, make it make the coffee um, and then stick go on, after Stick a load of washing on. <laughs> Remember yeah. oh, many years better. ago, Sue, when we often used to have um, lunches, many, many years ago, <laughs> it was always around food, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> food and drink. Yeah. We'd all bring, it, we'd all bring we'd, something. We'd all bring something. And it um, wasn't around babies at all. It was just... Nah. No, it was just about food. Yep. You know what? It's things like have a, a, a pedicure and a manicure and things like that. Treat yourself and look after yourself. Have your hair done. It's it's things about looking after yourself having after you've had a baby and it's not just the family and children. It's about caring about for yourself, yourself too. And, you know? and I think women are the glue that keeps families together. Mm. If they don't look after themselves, yep. the family's going to fall apart. Yeah, you really need to. And that's to the rationalisation for the manicure. <laughs> that's right. And the hair. That's and the right. hair. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's it's really vital. What have you learned, Brooke? I have learnt to cook and take friends' food and make my own coffee and leave. And I think the best, yeah, the best <laughs> friend that you can be to someone who's got a new baby is to do just that, is to turn up when you know they're going to be there with a casserole and a cake and and either, you know, offer to do their washing their or washing. ironing. That's right. Um, or... Or, and don't stay for more than half an hour because yeah. most of the time they're just exhausted. And don't think that, that the the woman who's had a baby is actually wanting you to stay there and talk to them. She doesn't want you there, seriously. No. She just wants your food, wants you to say hi, say how lovely the baby is and, and yes, go. And yes, your life is normal. That's right. And it will become normal <laughs> you will, again. You will get normal. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Dr Sue Thanks, Sue. Thank you. Okay, you're welcome. This has been Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin. Executive producer is Brooke Carrigan. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. And music by Matt Nikolic. Listener.